0: Got time for a quick story. If you're a concert promoter, you will have a lot of stories. Quick stories, long stories, interesting stories. Danny Zalisco has a lot of those. He's been a concert promoter going back to the 1970s. Not far out of high school, he was already promoting concerts down in the, especially in the Arizona area, after he came down from Chicagoland. And today, he's still promoting. Danny Zalisco presents. He's written a memoir and put together a memoir. I say that because there are a lot of photos in this memoir about all of these years of being a concert promoter with pretty much a who's who in pop, rock, music world. And talking to Danny Zalisco today about a book, read the book, good book, especially if you want to learn a thing or two about Concert Promoting, and in the world of rock and pop music, All excess Occupation Concert Promoter, Danny Zalisco with Danny Zalisco Presents. Um, first question in the book, uh, I, though I probably, it's probably self-evident, that photo uh, that's on the front, is it all because of the cash you're holding? Is that the reason you've, you that photo was selected as the cover shot? Well, the
1: cash is definitely the inspiration for the happiness that I show. But the reason that it happened is even as important or more important which is I was doing a, a couple Pink Floyd shows at a small stadium in Phoenix in 1988. It was, it's when they did their comeback without Roger Waters and the momentary lapse of reason tour. And uh, my security guy came to me one day and said you know, you only got parking for 2,500 cars um, at the ballpark, and you're going to need around 7,500, 8,000 cars because you, you average somewhere around three people per car. And we had 25,000 people a day coming. So he went out. He asked me for 10 grand in cash, and uh, he went out and he rented all the local parking lots near the park. And then we set up shuttles and security and lighting and all that stuff for the for the parking lots. And after the show, there's two shows. After the second show, they came over with these two boxes. They're cassette boxes full of cash, and uh, I was overjoyed.
0: Hmm. Speaking of bands that will go out, they'll reunite. Of course, there's, there's you have the chapter in there, and the, then the photo, of course, comes up around the Roger Waters and Pink Floyd sections a little bit over the ways into the book. And recently we heard about Genesis announcing their tour dates in the United States. I was listening to a podcast from Rolling Stone talking about how it's one of the first big-name acts that are starting to put out tour dates post-pandemic. Um, your thought on this wave coming out, and I was listening to you in a podcast earlier today about about wh- how bands are going to be going out and, and guarantees and what years and such— What's your take on like that band in particular, about Genesis announcing that, and other bands? Though there are others saying 2022. What's your opinion on the state of of groups, s- singers, artists, bands going out, the big names going back when they feel comfortable as the pandemic hopefully is starting to come to a close?
1: Well, you know, you, you've got a ton of shows that were postponed and subsequently moved around on the calendar over the last 14, 15 months. Um, so you've got all those groups that are, you know, trying to hone in on dates and finally give people those shows. And then you got a whole lot of other bands that, you know, weren't on sale or hadn't, hadn't uh, announced their touring plans last March for the rest of 2020. So I think for a while there's going to be a real glut um, of a lot of really good bands touring, who have been chomping at the bit to get out, and there's a lot of fans that are that have been sitting on tickets for months and months and months over a year, in some cases. So, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting time. I think I think the most fun we'll have is when you're sitting there with tickets for a show and somebody else plunks another show on top of you. Hmm. You know, right. I mean, I'm I'm happy. I'm having that happen in a number of situations. I have no idea how am going to be able to be at, at these shows. Right. I mean, there's there's something in Milwaukee and there's something in Chicago and there's something in Phoenix and we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs>
0: we'll, well, I was going to I was going to say this seems to be a particularly uh, I, dare, I dare I say unique because it's unlike any other time in in the history of pop rock promoting of of all 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 this coming out all at once would you have liked to have been in your let's let's say the concert promoting business was as it was when you were in your 20s 30s earlier in in the in the day would you have wanted to be in that role now with uh, like you said all of these bands and all these tours all being booked almost all at the same time this this whole wave coming all at once or is it one of those you go? Okay, all all of you are in this right now. You take care of a lot of that. I know you're still obviously in the industry, but for the for the younger folks, to be like, you take care of that. You figure this out.
1: Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, it's it's what they call a cluster, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, look, we here's the bottom line. We've been we've been all waiting, wanting, hoping, whatever to be done with restrictions you know if the biggest problem we have now is which pop shows we go to on any given night of the week that 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 should be our biggest problem ever right you know so i i'm i'm happy to see that the you know the big news really here is that people should be either doing their vaccinations or being safe and remaining careful we don't want this thing to to come back. And in the meantime, we need to resume our lives and get on with it. And, and, you know, I, I'm not one of those people who say, Oh, it's lucky that happened. We got a really good look at, you know, how lucky we are, you know, to, to realize this is over and move on. Well, we should be able to expect a few things in life. And one of them isn't for a pandemic to sweep over us and, and do, do the damage that it's done. Let's, let's hope the, uh, the adults in charge, uh, you know, look after these kind of things better than they did in the past, because uh, I, I think a lot of this should have been avoided. But that's another story altogether.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the lots of stories in your book. Um, I just happened to have up in front of me, because it was going to be one of the questions. I'm at Chapter 26, where's the cheese tray? Um, <laughs> th- right. The the food. The oh gosh, that that's that's just great. It, it's classic, and yeah, I, the, all of the writer stories. And you have the full writer at one point in in the book. Um, what was the best catering backstage at any show you ever were a part of?
1: Very difficult to say. I mean, look when you're when you're in the arena shows. Uh, or the amphitheaters and, and so forth, I mean, there's like ten to $15,000 budgets uh, in the show for, for catering. And that, that includes breakfast, lunch, and dinner for up to, I don't know, 125, 150 people. Um, so, I mean, the, these people that, that work in the upper echelon, the, the true stars of the business, they take care of their crews and their staffs in general very well. And, and they, they know that feeding them really good, healthy food uh, isn't cheap, and uh, it's important for everybody to, to eat well while they're on the road. The, the thing that people don't exactly understand is that when the artist asks for you know, the 5- or 10-page uh, menu, uh, for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, seven days a week, you got to change those things up all the time. You don't want people getting bored, just like at home. You don't want to be bored eating the same stuff every night. So a lot of a lot of care goes into those those catering riders, and it's basically like your mom, and they're coming home, and you got to feed them and send them on their way, and and the band ends up usually ends up paying for all of that stuff unless the show doesn't sell in which case it's my problem Mm -hmm. um so you know it's one of those kind of things where you want to make sure the show does well because you want to pay for all the bills it takes to pay for the show including the rider and the catering and all that stuff but uh you know if it shows up and you don't see a lot of people in the show speak kindly of me after i'm gone will (laughs) you
0: there uh there are a lot of situations uh, you would find yourself in, you in the book, um, and suddenly you got to bail out a situation here or go take care of this here. Of course, the great story with Mike Tyson and <laughs> Whitney Houston, there's that. I mean, stories galore, and we won't go back into them because I want people to actually read the book and, and read them there. But suffice to say, a lot of times you find yourself actually having to be on stage. When you're in the highest pressure situations, whether that was going on stage to talk to the crowd to explain something or you have to go up to someone who is very significant and or is going to explode depending on what happens. What you you describe actually doing that? What's what are you feeling at those highest pressure moments to what we think are high pressure moments do you get in like a zone? Do you do you feel do, what what the nerve level? What is that like when you're at the most important part? Because everything relies on you to take care of that situation.
1: Um. Well, are you talking about that uh, Andrew Dice Clay thing?
0: Well, the, yeah. There, there's that one too. Yeah, and and maybe it depends. You know, artist to artist or situation to situation. Um, you know. Yeah. I, yeah.
1: I know, I know where you're going with that. It's pretty simple. Like when you're in one of those moments and, and you're in the center of it with the manager or an artist or an audience or the act, whatever, um, things just kind of have a way of taking on their own energy and their own life. And, and, and you just have to respond to it. You have to be honest with it. You have to be real about it. You have to be totally realistic and rational. Um, and, and like one case uh, I, I did a show with Andrew Dice Clay and Bill Maher, and, and Andrew said he would open for Bill because he, Bill wanted the headline. I said, uh, Dice, that's not a good idea because he, he's so raucous. And this is, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, whatever it was. And um, Andrew was, uh, did a great show, and the people didn't want him to leave, so they kept chanting his name all the way until the time that Bill Meyer got on stage, and they chanted him right off the stage, Dice, Dice, Dice. And, and he left, you know, I mean, he was leaving and I had to go run out and stop him in the car and go, you know, where are you going? What are you doing? So I had to get him back on stage, but it required me going and yelling at the audience. Look, if you don't want to see Bill Maher, do us all a favor and leave now. But the majority of the people want to see him here. So if you're just only about dice and you don't want to hear this guy, get out of here. You know, and, it, it, you know, it's basically the vibe. I said it a little bit nicer than that, but. Bottom line is the message was the same, which is, you know, we're trying to do a show here and, and uh, knock it off. You, you never want to be in a position to have to talk down to an audience like that, but on that particular night, they had it coming. It was like, <laughs> they, were bad, it was like they were bad kids who broke curfew or something. I mean, it was just weird. Mm. Uh, but that stuff happens. I mean, another time, um, uh, Carlos Santana was yelling at me because it was raining outside. And I look at him, I go, you know, I can do a lot of stuff. But the rain, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> you know what do you want from me? Come on! And, and then it stopped. It was beautiful. He goes, "See, all you had to do is talk about it."
0: Nice. Um, if you had been able to read music, how different is your life uh, going back with uh, Frank Zappa um, at that moment?
1: Well, you know, it kind of changed everything. Um, for me, because it, it definitely made me perish the idea of ever doing any kind of performing or anything like that. That just really cemented it shut. When when you have an opportunity to be in a band just because they like you and all you have to do is be good at it, well, that isn't enough. Plus, you have to read music, and and I wasn't able to do that, so I didn't get I didn't get my shot at that. Um, but that's. That's what made me end up doing this. Hmm. So, I don't know. I guess it was a win win.
0: And you can't play music. I mean, you're, you're, what, what musician that you've seen, and if, I mean, play drums, and obviously you did the, you did the percussion thing on stage with Santana, but what, what musician most impressed you where you went, okay, I, I understand that from a musician perspective, from someone like you who was very much involved with music, and you watch them on stage, and most impressed you to the point of going, "Wow, what am I actually watching here?" Who left the most vivid impression on you?
1: Well, I mean, there's a lot, obviously, but the the one who I who I just watch, love watching, is Jeff Beck. Um, Jeff is uh, always creative, always interesting, always innovative, always fun. And uh, I I really, really, I enjoy seeing what he does. It's always different and new. Um, I, I, I mean, it's like, if that isn't enough reason for you to put down a guitar and take up drums or another instrument, I don't know what is.
0: I've always found him to be somewhat of an underrated guitarist just because... Like Clapton or Page, you can immediately associate them with either a massive hit single that they did or obviously a band like Led Zeppelin. I mean, Jeff Beck is on a a bunch of classic songs, but even I, and I've been following pop rock music pretty much my whole life, I had to watch that documentary on him a couple years ago, or was it last year during the pandemic, to really realize it. And I came out of that going, my gosh, I, I didn't know. I knew who Jeff Beck was, but I didn't know, and you really have to watch... What he does, I see where you're coming from in that he is an incredible, just mind-blowing guitarist.
1: Well, you see, with him, and and there's you know people draw a lot of comparisons to Page and Clapton with them because they were associated, um, not all not all at the same time, but they were associated with the Yardbirds for years. And Jeff and Jimmy, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Jeff and Jimmy were going to start a new group called the New Yardbirds. And then Jeff got in a car accident and he couldn't play for a while. And Jimmy went on and changed the name of that group to Led Zeppelin. So Jeff would have been involved in Led Zeppelin, which would have changed the way Led Zeppelin sounded. Uh, I assume even better if that's possible, probably. Um, But then, uh, you know, that human thing took over and, and, Jeff was sidetracked, sidelined, sadly, for a while. He got hurt really bad, and um, you know the the thing with Jeff is he he's like more extreme, I think, as a guitar player than than both Eric and Jimmy. But Eric and Jimmy created somehow more commercially palatable music over the years, which doesn't make one better than the other. It just makes it different and and the most people's ears aren't necessarily shut up set up for the shredding that that Jeff does I mean you you have to kind of almost be a a player with Jeff to fully appreciate and understand the precision and the composing and the speed and 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 just the mindfulness of playing where the other guys who have all of those great same characteristics manage to hone all that music into songs with the singer and words, whereas Jeff's stuff is primarily instrumental. So it turns out to different strokes, you know, that's all.
0: Exactly. Um, Speaking of artists that maybe didn't get the attention that they did, you have a good number of references, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing the last name, but up here in Wisconsin I had never heard of him uh, outside of Arizona, Jerry Rieppele. Rieppele. Okay. Jerry Reapel. Yeah. And that yeah,
1: Jerry. Jerry. Jerry was fantastic. He was one of those guys who was a a local area guy in Phoenix, much the same way Bob Seeger was uh, around Detroit in the Midwest, much the same way Jay Giles was up in Boston, same way Michael Stanley was in Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're like regional stars for whatever reason they don't or take a long time to break out of their local um, area. And, and Phoenix became Jerry's local area He wasn't from there, but for whatever, um, well, the reason that I, you know, as I recall that he caught on so well, was he had a really, really strong radio station there called Katie KB that was legendary in the seventies. And they broke hundreds of acts in that market. What, there was just a music audience there that they helped develop by way of the great music that they played and the format in which they did it where they, I mean, every time you turned on the radio, you didn't realize it at the time, but it was so good. I mean, uh, that you, you know, like you would hear Gene Clark from the birds doing the, uh, the no other album, you'd hear sop with camel. You'd you'd hear the move and the electric light orchestra, then you'd have Roy Wood albums. So they would play all the stars from all these great bands when they had solo efforts. Unlike today, I mean Stevie Nicks puts out a brand new solo album and nobody plays it. You know, it's because radio has been you know completely taken over uh, by corporate and and big business because they're such valuable properties, but they don't adhere at all to what they're supposed to do. Uh, in, in their respective markets, especially when they own more than one station, they play the same crap on most of the stations. Not everyone, mind you, but a lot of them. And, and as long as we don't have radio stations out there promoting new bands or even old bands that haven't been heard a lot and, and everything in between, what you're going to do is you're going you're to run out of new music to play and you're going to end up with those same old songs playing over and over again and nobody's going to get through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's a complicated process, and I know there's so much money at stake. So people research to death and all that. But I mean, if I hear my best friend's girl by the cars again, I might explode.
0: <laughs> it gets, yeah, you know I mean?
1: yeah, yep. great, great song, great song. But I mean, you know, more than a feeling. Do I need? Do I need to really hear that again? <laughs> I mean, they're they're great songs. Play it before a concert. As warm-up music. That's a nice time to hear that and Freebird, and, and and all these overplayed songs because there's so many other songs out there people are dying to hear and they don't even know it half the time.
0: Yeah. What other acts do you think could, whether that you worked with them or just knew about them, what other acts you think could have been big nationally and for whatever reason just didn't get there?
1: Well, you know, it's it's not even. It's not even that. I mean, take Wilco. Mm -hmm. What a great band Wilco is. I don't know if you've ever seen them or not. They're great live. They get very, very little airplay anywhere, yet they have a very large and loyal following. But think how big they would be if they got played on the radio. Yeah. I mean, this is... I'm not talking about... I'm not saying, you know... And and I've, I've been in so many of these conversations with radio programmers and program directors and music directors and all that stuff and it's all it all comes down to research and recognizability but that's not what radio is supposed to be there for radio is supposed to keep you up to date and and hip and you know news wise music wise everything i don't know the, the news is old so <laughs> <it's the> music. <laughs> uh, not what? everywhere though i'm gonna always say that not everywhere there's a lot of really good people out there i'm just saying as a as a whole, I, I, I think to keep the music business healthy, you need to keep pumping in um, you know, new sounds and mixing them with other sounds that people have missed over the years. There's so much great music out there that we're not hearing.
0: That's all I know. Of the new acts out there, singers or bands, which ones would you be most excited to work with? and maybe you will get the chance, pretend, you, you never know if something just breaks the right way, but which bands out there, up-and-coming acts that maybe people don't, don't necessarily know of outside of a regional area are are on your radar, if any?
1: Well, uh, I'll just mention one that, that I've become really good friends with recently and, and really nice people. It's a three-piece rock band from Phoenix called The Black Moods. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a brand new album they're just dropping right now, and um, I mean it's 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 not like what you would call the the, the punishing hard rock of, of like a lot of bands are doing. It's not speed metal or anything like that. But it's just I would say it's heavier than a Greta Van Fleet uh, without the the Zeppelin type of uh, analogies or posturing which I enjoy by the way I think they're fantastic mm-hmm. um, uh, but the 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 black modes are a young young uh, not not terribly young they're, these guys are probably in their mid 30s early 30s uh, great rock band from
0: Phoenix check them out do you think Phoenix ever had or has a particular music sound slash scene ah uh,
1: sort of you know there's groups like Roger Klein and the Zubia Brothers, Pistoleros, um, Gin Blossoms. I guess there's kind of a, uh, um, a dusty cowboy kind of LA folk rock music scene, sort of a thing that's been there over the years. And then you also had Alice and, and, uh, and the tubes for the more exciting rock side of it. I don't know that there's ever a Phoenix sound per se, but, but Phoenix, um, turned into a really, really good music market over the years, and I was really happy to, uh, you know, have what part I, in it that I had.
0: What uh, What made Bill Graham ultimately, if you could distill Bill Graham, what made him as special as he was?
1: Well, he, he was at the outset of a new business and a new phenomenon, which was gathering people who didn't know each other together for concerts to experience different types of music. I mean, he was like a mad scientist. He would experiment with, with, you know, uh, different types and genres of music opening for other bands Um, that, you know, I mean, Roland Kirk, the great sax player with Led Zeppelin. I mean, I would have loved to have been at that one. That was a real famous uh, Fillmore poster as well. But, He he was really great at... uh, Him and his staff were great at at mixing up different types of musical styles. But the fact is, is in the the 60s and 70s, when all of this great product, great albums, great musicians coming around from all over the world, um, as they did all that, um, everybody in that age group was just so hungry and thirsty for more. It wasn't about... Oh, I don't like that. It's jazz. Oh, I don't like that. It's folk. Everything was just considered good. You didn't have radio stations breaking things down into a format so that, you know, every hour every every day was either pop songs or guitar songs or comedy or whatever.
0: What is the biggest thing a music fan that maybe doesn't know the ins and outs of concert promoting what's the biggest thing that they can learn from reading this book
1: well uh, there's a bunch of things all wrapped into one i think Um, pay attention you know be always be inquisitive on the lookout for new things Um, you you just never know i mean it could be a stock tip it could be a rock band it could be anything You, you but it pays to be on top of stuff and keep your mind open to new things that you might be able to get involved in, you know, in some way, you know, some fashion. Um, and, and you can, you know, help yourself a a lot by just being in the right time or putting yourself in the right time, in the right place and around interesting people. And, you know, um, there's a reason why you get two ears and one mouth, listen more than you talk and you might learn something. Um, I know that I was shushed any number of times enough until I realized, you know what? They're right. I should just shut up. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna learn something from the masters that I'm hanging around here. I, I got. A, I got to spend a lot of good time over my years with a lot of really smart, influential people that I didn't know all that about them at the time. I just knew that I liked them, and 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 uh, you can learn a lot from people that you're not gonna find out from. School books, um, you know, not that I'm saying anything bad about school or school books. It's just that there's more to it once you get your ABCs down uh, when it comes to getting into business. And and the bottom line for the whole thing, really, what I'm getting around to is, is if there is something that you like, learn more about those things that you like and examine what are the entry levels of getting into something that you'd like that you could see yourself participating in beyond just a passing fancy or a hobby um and, and and you can find yourself in the thick of whatever you want but you got to stay with it
0: mm-hmm.
1: got to yeah. stay with it
0: it's worth a read and anyone listening give it a read lots of great photos lots of great lots of great uh, stories in there all excess with the dollar signs occupation concert promoter danny zalisco with danny zalisco presents it's been an honor to get to talk to you with all the all the music history you've been involved with and are still a part with. Uh, have a good time in Hawaii, and we'll see you literally and figuratively down the road.
1: Excellent, man! Thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it.
0: Danny Zalisco, Uh yeah, he's man. You got to read the book. Um, it's a good book. It's he he has been involved with everyone. <laughs> Maybe okay, not literally, but it sure seems that way. Um, based on the photos and the stories uh all excess occupation concert promoter Danny Zalisco you can learn more at the Danny Zalisco presents website which is dzplive.com dzplive.com they're on social media as well Danny Zalisco on uh, social media as well you can see what they're doing what he's up to and uh yeah and and see what what's going on in the concert uh touring uh, industry. It's a—it's uh, going to be an interesting one over the next few months and years from the point of this particular taping. This has been the latest edition of Got Time. For a quick story, uh, thanks to Chipster PR for helping to set up this interview. Thanks to Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, where I, where I work uh, for providing the facilities to do these interviews you can listen to and, in some cases, watch these interviews at greatesthits98.1.com. Go to our features page go to our interviews page you can see right below the features page at the top of the website you can go to our youtube channel for greatest hits 98.1 as well and listen to and watch a lot of these interviews uh you also can find got time for a quick story on a lot of streaming excuse me a lot of podcast platforms subscribe uh, and rate this preferably higher that will spread the word around about this podcast got time for a quick story i'm luke anthony